0: I'm truly blessed by the singing service this morning, blessed by the prayer service. appreciate the prayer on my behalf. My prayer is is that we can all learn something from our study this morning that will benefit each and every one of us. And as always, the lessons that I prepare are for Lyle Miller. They're not for you, and so it is that I really do hope that this morning things work well. It is a season of Christmas and New Year's, and New Year's resolutions is not the name of this lesson, but I think it has something to do for each and every one of us this morning in the fact that we make physical resolutions to lose weight, to abide by a budget, and so we understand what it is to make things better and to make a commitment. And so, Christians must have a more frequent resolution. I need to have changes every day in my life. In communion, it is stated that we need to eat or participate in that communion in a very specific way. Because the Scripture says if we do that unworthily, then the guilt of that body and blood of the Lord is upon us. He says, but let a man examine himself, and that's what a resolution is, and let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup, for he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. So we've got to pay attention as Christians. If we just drift through life, then things are not going to be good. This cause, it's the same cause that the Apostle Paul was talking to that Corinthian church about. Because they were not examining themselves and handling themselves in a Christian sense, and they were weak and sickly, and they were asleep. For if we judge ourselves, we should not be judged. So let's judge ourselves. Let's work on this personally. But when we are judged and are chastened to the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. We don't want condemnation. So before I was nine years old, we went to a country church at Sand Hill, Texas. And I don't remember a lot when I was eight years old, but I do remember Brother Earl McDonough coming and speaking for our congregation there. That's Brother John's younger brother. And so I was impressed with the diagram that he put on that blackboard in about 1960 or 62. This is the best description that I could find on the Internet of that because he drew a picture of that grand gate, the gate that's very enticing. And beside it, he put the picture of the straight gate And so, straight, s t r a i t, means exact. It's small. It fits. It's tight. You know, the Strait of Hormuz has been in the news because it's in the middle of e in the Middle East, and those ships just barely fit through that Strait. And so, all my life, I've been told, son, stay on the straight and narrow. And that's the title of our lesson this morning. We want to stay on that straight and narrow. And so when I was eight, I remember something like this diagram. And it is that a few years after that, I found myself on that Broadway, maybe at 15. And I spent three or four years on the Broadway. And I have scars today because I was on the Broadway. Now, thank the good Lord, I am back as I was raised to be on that narrow path. Let's go to the Scripture found there in Matthew 7, verses 13 through 14. Now these are the words of Jesus Christ. Pay attention. Enter ye in at the straight gate. This is the narrow way, the way that fits. This is God's way. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many be there which go in thereat. Because straight or narrow is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. You've got to be determined to find it. So the straight gate, narrow path is not the easiest. It's not easy. It's not worldly. It's not serving self, but it is serving God, and, and it is intentional. And so I have... About seven points this morning that I want us to look at concerning this narrow Christian path. And so, just being good is not going to be enough. If we have extra baggage, if we have worldly things that we're wanting to carry, if we're going to have one foot in the world and one in Christianity, that's not going to work. It's going to be failure. If we're following my way, your way, or man's way, it's going to fail. If we're following other men or false prophets, there is death and destruction because of that. If we're making bad decisions today, just one bad decision is going to lead to disaster. And so ultimately that broad way results in eternal death. And so number seven, the last point we'll look at is That straight and narrow way leads to life everlasting. And that's what you and I need to be pursuing with all of our effort this morning is that straight and narrow way. Just being good is not enough, our first point. Remember Cornelius, Acts 10 and verse 22. And they said, Cornelius the centurion was a just man, one that feareth God and is of good report among all the nation of the Jews. Everybody knew this guy was great. He was warned from God by a holy angel to send for Peter at his house and to hear words concerning Jesus. And he said unto them, "Under what then were ye baptized? This is talking about those that had been baptized under John's baptism. So... Cornelius was a good man, wasn't good enough. Here's another example. These were baptized under John's baptism. And then said Paul, John the Baptist very baptized with the baptism of repentance. It was a baptism, but it wasn't Jesus' baptism for the remission of sin. So he said unto the people that they should believe on him or Jesus which should come after him after John, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. There's many baptisms in the world today, but the scriptural baptism is the Jesus baptism, death, burial, resurrection, and it is the baptism for the remission of sins, not any anything else. And so just being baptized was not good enough for these people in our example. Baggage, number two, causes failure. You know, if we're running a race, you don't carry a bunch of lead weight. If you're trying to go through a narrow passageway, you can't get through if you've got a whole bunch of bags with you. So Hebrews 12 and verse number one, <clears throat> Wherefore, seeing that we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, Not just wait, but the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. This path is a race, and we're not going to win if we carry extra baggage and, and carry very many of the things of the world with us. Rebellion, to me, is extra baggage. Look with me to Jeremiah 6 and verse number 16. Thus saith the Lord... Stand ye in the ways, and see, and ask for the old paths, those paths that are mentioned in Scripture, those things that are confirmed, those paths, where is the good way? And walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk therein. And so if we refuse Scriptural admonition, then we're going to have rebellion as extra baggage. Number three, man's way fails. My way, when I was 15 and started my way, it was a way of failure. And failure ends in being scarred. It ends in being challenged. There's many things that will fail us if it is man's way. So, Proverbs verse 14, verse number 12, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man... But the end thereof are the ways of death. Just because it appears to be correct doesn't mean it co- is correct. The backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways, and a good man shall be satisfied from himself. The simple believeth every word, but the prudent man looketh well to his going. A wise man feareth and departeth from evil, and the fool rageth in his confident. Let us depart. From evil. Let's flee from evil. Let's make sure that that's not a part of our life. Verse 17, He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly, and a man of wicked device is hated. The simple inherit folly, but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. Let's be prudent. Let's be full of the wisdom that Jesus Christ provides us through Scripture. Look with me to Second Timothy 4 and verse number 3. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Are my ears itching? Are my ears looking and wanting to hear things that satisfy me? Am I coming to church today to worship the way I want to? Am I coming to church today to be entertained? Do I come to church today because it, just makes me personally feel good? If that's true, I'm here for the wrong reasons. I need to be here to serve God. If I serve God, then I'm going to be blessed, and I will be happy, and I will feel fulfilled. If I'm trying to do what Lyle Miller wants, then I'm not going to be fulfilled. Let's not have itching ears. Let's follow the New Testament pattern for our life, and for our worship. (coughs) Galatians 5, verses 19 through 21, and we look at the New King James Version here. These are the works of the flesh which are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outburst of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies. Envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the such like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's a long list of things that are a part of the broad gate and the broad way. Let's make sure that we're not on that path because we will not. Inherit the kingdom of God if we're on the broad path. Those that are Christ, verse 24, have crucified the flesh. They've killed off the broad way, those things that are carnal, with it, with their passions and their desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And so with that verse, we move from man's way fails to false prophets mislead. False prophets or televangelists, anybody that doesn't preach from this Word, anybody that's going to lead you down a path that's not scriptural. Matthew 7, verses 15 and 16, this tells you and I, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing. The appearance is good, but inwardly they are ravening, Wolves, they'll devour you devour you. You shall know them by their fruits. You and I are not judges, but we're fruit inspectors, as brother Joe Pinkerton used to tell us. Look at the results. If it's just men pursuing money, you'll know it. Their fruits will t- tell us what they are about. Do men gather grapes of thorns and figs of thistles? By by our fruits, our uh, life is going to tell whether we are actually on the narrow and the straight and narrow. If we're on the broad path, the fruits that we bear will will testify to that. Mark thirteen and verse number twenty-two: For false Christ and false prophets shall rise, and shall show signs and wonders. They may look magnificent. But they're going to do this to seduce, to cheat you, to drag you down, if it were possible even the elect. And so the elect, Christians are not free from the challenges and temptations that are in this world to drag us over to that broad path. Bad decisions lead to disaster. And so number five, we talk about Hosea 14 and verse number nine. Hosea says, Who is wise, and he shall understand these things. Let's use what God has given us, and be wise, prudent, and use wisdom. Prudent, and he shall know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the just shall walk in them, but the transgressors shall fail or fall therein." The way of the transgressor is hard. Remember the Apostle Paul as Christ spoke to him on that road to Damascus. He had been on that broad path in all good conscience. He was on that broad path because he was killing and tormenting Christians. And Christ said, why do you kick against the pricks? Why do you kick against the cactus? And so he was a transgressor. The Apostle Paul, while he was still Paul of Tarsus, was kicking the sticker weeds. And that was a hard path. Proverbs 13, verse 15, Good understanding giveth favor, but the way of the transgressor is hard. If your way is hard, take a look at your life. Now, Christianity is not easy, but it's not near as difficult as that pathway that is on or through the broad gate and the wide way. Lot is an example of one who chose the broad way. And we remember from a lesson not very long ago that he was used as an example on that morning. And there was strife between his herdman and the herdman of Abram. And so Abram said, Let's solve this. You go one way and I'll go the other. If you choose this way, I'll go that way Let there be no strife, he says. And so Lot lifts up his eyes. Let's get thyself. Let's go down to the next uh, verse, number 10. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered, everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord. It looked like the garden of Eden. And so, he chose that. He chose all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east. He went east, because that's where he thought the good life was. And they separated themselves the one from the other. And so, verse 13 says, The men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Sodom and Gomorrah were a very terrible place on that day that Lot chose the broad gate and the wide path. The wrong priorities were in his mind because he went where the money was. And so remember from that account that Lot ends up there in Sodom. His older daughters are married to hometown boys. And there's angels come to him to warn of impending disaster. And through that, Lot even offers those that were about to tear his door off his virgin daughters because there was a great sin in that city. It had been there a long time, and it didn't do anything but increase. And so Lot was warned by these three, that by these uh, angels, to flee. said, don't look back. And so Lot, his wife, and his two daughters did flee. Remember what happened to his wife? She disobeyed, turned around, and turned to a pillow of salt. So Lot lost some of his kids. He lost his wife. He lost a lot because he was on that broad path that because he had gone through the wide gate. Let's don't follow Lot's example. Judas the betrayer is my last example of a person that went through that wide gate. Look with me to John 12, verses 4 through 6. Then said Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray Jesus, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This Judas said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. He was on the broad path and he had the bag and bare what was put therein." So it doesn't sound very good for Judas, because he's on the broad path. John 13, verse number 2, "...and supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot Simon's son to betray Jesus." This wasn't a quick thing that Judas did that was wrong. It was a progression because he had gone through the wide gate and was on that broad path, a road to destruction. And so his heart was open. It was open to, to uh, Satan who put that in his heart. We continue with Judas the betrayer. And we look now to Matthew 2. 26 is verse 14 through 16. Then one of the twelve, Judas, he was one of Jesus' disciples, but yet he was on that broad path. He went unto the chief priest and he said unto them, What will you give me? And I will deliver Jesus unto you. And they covenanted or bargained with him for thirty pieces of silver. And from that time, he sought opportunity to betray Jesus. Jesus. That broad path is a terrible place to be. Now, it's just my opinion that Judas had seen Jesus escape from those that were trying to kill him multiple times. And I just wonder if in Judas's mind he thought, well, here's a chance for me to make a quick thirty pieces of silver, and Jesus will escape again like he always has before. But guess what? satan was involved and jesus did not escape. because did not escape and he was condemned matthew 27 verses 3 through 5 then judas as our story progresses which had betrayed jesus when he saw that jesus was condemned he repented himself he changed his mind and he brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priest and the elder saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed innocent blood. He changed his mind and tried to fix it, but he didn't. He was still on that broad path. He didn't follow the correct path of true repentance and of seeking forgiveness. He said, I have sinned and I've betrayed innocent blood, and those they said, what is it that uh, see thou to it? They said, you've done what you've done, we're not changing anything. And so Judas cast down the pieces of silver in the temple, and departed, and went out and hanged himself. Makes me shudder, because the broad path, wide gate syndrome, that Judas, where he was, it ends up in a very horrible Death. So the broad way in a spiritual sense results in eternal death. So not abiding by the golden rule leads to destruction. Galatians 5 verses 14 through 15. For all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Golden rule. We've heard that since we were little. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. If you don't abide by the narrow path, then you're going to be destroyed. 1 Peter 5 verses 8 through 9, a scripture that I really pay attention to because I've felt the devil in this roaring lion sense. He says, be sober. Don't be drunk, be vigilant. Don't be asleep because your adversary, your foe the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resists steadfast in faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. And so the devil is not like this lion we see at the zoo that's contained behind a fence. Satan is this ferocious beast that is king of the jungle that eats when he wants to eat and eats what he wants to eat. And so know that if you're on the broad path that Satan rules that path. Mark 9 verses 43 through 44 these words are spoken by Jesus. If thy hand offend thee, cut it off. So to stay on the narrow path is serious enough that if it takes lobbing a hand off to stay on that narrow way, let's do it. It is better for thee to enter life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where the worm dieth and the fire is not quenched. And so Jesus tells us of the seriousness of doing whatever it takes to stay on that narrow path. Hebrews 2 and verse number 3. We have no excuse. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard Him. That salvation is, being, has, is preached from this pulpit over and over. It's steadfastly preached from this pulpit. Don't. Ignore it. Last point, number seven. The straight and narrow way results in life everlasting. The Apostle Paul is the best example that I see in turning to this narrow way and being constant in following the straight and narrow way. 1 Timothy 1 and verse 15, he is writing to the young evangelist Timothy here saying, this is a faithful saying and worthy of acceptance. Pay attention, boy, that Christ, Jesus, came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. The Apostle Paul was on that broad way when he was serving something other than Jesus Christ in his early adulthood. When he was persecuting Christians, he was on the broad way and he is telling you of that here in 1 Timothy 1 and verse 15. Now 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves. Is that true today? Sure it is. Lovers of money going on today. Boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. If we're serving or following any of these avenues of sin, that's the broad way. We need to be lovers of God and following Him on that straight and narrow pathway. He says that these that are on the broad path have a form of godliness, but denying its power, not being obedient to it, and from such people turn away. So just looking religious is not the straight and narrow. You've got to be obedient. Stay away. Flee from those avenues that are not the straight and narrow. Continuing with Apostle Paul's encouragement to Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, verses 14-17, through he says, "...but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of." This is the written Word. We can be confident in that. Knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Let's follow those great writers of the New Testament. Not some man. And that from a child... Though thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, or from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. We have the plan here. Let's follow this plan. Last Scripture, 2 Timothy 4, verses 7-8. through 8. He has confidence that he's on that straight and narrow. He says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord The righteous judge shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love His appearing. Are you skeptical about the Lord's return? If you are, you're not on the straight and narrow. Those that are on the straight and narrow can be just as confident as the Apostle Paul was of where their position is going to be on the day of judgment. And so, let's determine within ourselves this morning which one of those paths that we're on. Make sure that your calling an election is sure. We'd like to offer the Lord's invitation. It's not my invitation, but it is the Lord's. If you're here this morning and you're not on that narrow path Make sure you do what it takes. Obey that gospel. Believe in Jesus Christ. Repent of the past. Confess him before men. And be baptized, not for just any reason, but for the remission of sins. If you're here this morning and the prayers of the church would be of benefit unto you, we would invite one of either class, one or more of either class, to come forward as we stand and sing.